Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. I'm Molly. Molly, I gotta say, I think one of the reasons why you and I have uh, get along so well, we got some good, good chemistry, <laughs> if I may say that. You uh, may. <laughs> I think it's because, you know, you're an oldest sibling, and I'm a youngest sibling, and that's, I think, you know, it's just a good yin and yang. Made to be. Yeah. Because I'm so bossy and authoritative as first sibling stereotypes would have it. So I tell you like, yes, Kristen, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, you rein, Learn it. You rein in my natural tendencies to rebel as the youngest child. And uh, and I teach you to, to have fun once in a while. You really do. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, just have more fun. Yeah. Come on, Molly, just shake you a little bit. And I'm like, no, Kristen, it's time to work. I'm like, yeah. Because I'm so driven. That's true. And I'm thinking about all this, Molly, because today we're talking about birth order and personality. I ran across this recent article in Scientific American asking the question, does birth order affect your personality? And I was surprised to find how much research has gone into answering this question. Yeah. And I really enjoyed, um, researching this because we spend a lot of time, I think, or I think parents do about how, uh, you can just screw your kid up if you breastfeed or don't breastfeed or daycare or don't daycare. But I think what's cool is it's possible that you could screw them up just by the order that you birth your kids. Yeah. But luckily I'm a firstborn. So I like to think that I got a pretty good shake of things, but not according to Alfred. Adler. And I think we got to talk about Adler because he was really one of the first major proponents of this birth order theory. He was a contemporary of uh, Sigmund Freud, and he thought that actually middle children had the easiest, which is the complete opposite of the stereotype today. Right. Now, it's it's worth noting, though, that Alfred Adler was a middle-born child. Yeah. So I think that that might have had something to do with why he uh, gave middle-born children a pass um, but I think that before you, you, before you understand how Adler ranks, uh, birth order and its, and its characteristics, you have to know that all of his theories of personality are based on the idea 
that we all just feel inferior all the time. Yeah, we're basically come out of the womb with a total inferiority complex. Right. And so for a firstborn child, you get, you know, a few years of attention. You're at the center of your parents' eyes and world. And then all of a sudden, along comes sibling number two. And that's when, you know, for the rest of your life, poor firstborn child is going to have to recover from that inferiority of knowing that someone else has come to usurp them. And I mean, I remember that's how I felt when my second, when my first brother came along, the second sibling. Were you a little, a little angry, Molly? I mean, I don't remember being angry, but now that I've read Adler, I'm going to pretend that I am and use it against my parents at some opportune moment about how um, they really just screwed me up by having that second child. Well, at least you're not the youngest like me, because according to Adler, um, I've always been very aware of the little amount of power that I hold in my family. And uh, so I always have personality problems that I'm grappling with because of that. And uh, I feel really alone in the world and feel like I'm always going to be inferior to other people. Yeah, I think you feel inferior because you have so many people taking care of you that you never learn how to do things on your own. That's right. And I guess that's why Kristen's always asking me to go to the bathroom with her. Yeah. Like, she just can't walk there by herself. No, I mean, it's it's a long walk. I mean, you think it's just because girls always go to the bathroom together. It's because Kristen's the last one. It's because I'm the youngest of five. <laughs> um, but again, like we said, Adler, middle-born children just do great because they aren't as pampered as a firstborn, so they don't lose um, that sense of pampering. They can't get that sense of inferiority from that. Um, but they still have power over someone. Yeah. People like me. Kristen. Um so Adler is the one person who gives a middle-born child a good, a fair shake. But everyone else um, in all these studies that have been done since then says poor middle children, they are the lost souls, yeah. as one article put it. Entirely the, neglected. They just don't know whether to strive to match their older sibling or to rebel like their younger sibling. I mean, it's they get the worst deal. They're the Jan Brady's. Yeah. When Kristen and I were discussing doing this podcast, the one thing we could agree on uh, was that no one wants to be Jan. Yeah. Those Cindy kind of bugged me a little bit. I'm okay with being a Marsha. Uh, never mind. <laughs> but enough about the Brady Bunch, Kristen. Let's just go through all the weird stereotypes. We've alluded to a few of them, but let's go through all the weird things that studies have found um, that different birth order children achieve or don't achieve. One thing I was really surprised of from a Journal of Psychology article from 1995, uh, it was going through all the literature, reviewing all the different things that have been found. One thing I was surprised to find is that a firstborn, I'm likely to recall fewer dreams. Oh, it's too bad because I remember lots of my dreams, Molly. Well, studies haven't shown that lastborn children do that, though you do score high on exhibition. I am quite quite the exhibitionist. Not really. <laughs> um Unfortunately, I don't know how I rank with my peers because studies have alternately found that firstborn are more popular with their peers and less popular with their peers. Yeah, a lot of these kind of do end up with conflicting personality traits where, like, I think for younger children, we're very independent, but we're also dependent at the same same time. Um, I apparently experience a lot of psych- psychiatric disorders and anxieties, but... I could have told you that, Molly. Yeah, I'm sure my mother would have something to say about that, too. But luckily, I have higher IQ scores and will achieve higher professional status than you. Uh, this was uh, one study on birth order personality and religion that found that middle children are the most likely to be non-religious. Yeah, it's because, uh, what is it? They just don't have any values, right? Yeah. Because they're so alone in the wilderness, not knowing where they stand. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked one article that pointed out that people like Thomas Jefferson... Karl Marx and Fidel Castro were all younger brothers. 
and that it was that rebellious streak that all these last-born children have that led them to overthrow countries and think that they could just rebel in that way. Yeah, and the story on uh, 2020 contrasted President Carter and President Clinton with their younger brothers who were kind of wildcats. Yeah, I think uh, Carter, the youngest Carter, had a beer-making business, and Roger Clinton was, he was, he was a, a rock star. Yeah. yeah. So um, there are tons of famous examples that both prove stereotypes and disprove stereotypes. Usually you look for the ones that um, match up with what you what you think you should be. Things that show that birth order is just great for you and sucks for everyone else. But generally all these studies are pretty discredited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, studying birth order is pretty difficult because you have so many different factors that are going to affect just family dynamics in general. Such as, in my case, family size. Right. I'm the youngest of five. The youngest of two, different scenario. Right. And that was something that was pointed out in this Scientific American Mind article you were talking about earlier. There was the statistic that 21 of the first 23 astronauts were firstborns. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, the firstborns get that extra boost from their parents early on in life that gives them that extra boost to go into space. But the fact is, if you are in a family of two, you've got a 50% chance of being a firstborn. Right. Whereas poor Kristen Conger only had a 20% chance. <laughs> that was old Kristen Conger rebelling by using our new sound effects toy. Just acting out just like a, just like a good last born child would. Right. So in addition to family size, we also have things like socioeconomic status. Obviously the resources that you can give to your children are going to be partially determined by wealth and mm-hmm. parents education levels and how old they were when you first when they first started having children mm-hmm. um and now especially today we've got blended families are there step siblings where do they fit in on birth order if you adopt a sibling do they come in and fit in in terms of socially how they came into the family in mm-hmm. terms of age or biologically if they're already older than the firstborn does everyone shift roles and also gender roles i mean a lot of these studies don't differentiate between boys and girls or even how maybe parents view boys and girls and what kind of roles they think a boy or a girl should play. Like, right. I mean, I can imagine if I had four older sisters, I would probably be a bit different than the person I am now who has two sisters and two brothers. Right. And I don't have any sisters. Right. So what if I'd had a sister and grown up fighting with her? Would I have brought that sort of dynamic to like this relationship, Kristen? Exactly. Questions we'll never know the answers to. We will to, never know the answer to. But, but that doesn't stop scientists from trying. Yeah. And, uh, and the Scientific American article points out that since a lot of these studies over the years really haven't controlled for all these different factors, it has been pretty hard to conclusively say yes or no to this birth order conundrum. Yes, I think one article I read compared it to astrology, that sometimes when you see a person that fits, um, you know, a stereotype, you know, being a Gemini, you'll say, oh, that's so Gemini. And when you see a firstborn fit some stereotype of firstborn behavior, like that's so firstborn. Mm-hmm. So everything has been taken with a grain of salt. But I would say that in the past few decades, we are starting to see maybe a turn in that people are trying to take this a little bit more seriously, trying to really come to some conclusive um, data without uh, having these extraneous factors affect it. And one guy I think we need to turn to at this point is a man named Frank Stillaway, who wrote the book Born to Rebel in the Mid-90s. Um, and he took a novel approach to this birth order question by applying the evolutionary psychology lens. Mm-hmm. A controversial lens, but an interesting lens, no less. Um, and he's saying that parents have 
limited resources to divide among their children and that your personality is probably more affected by how many, how much of these resources you get. Yeah. And he's saying that younger children like me tend to rebel because we don't get all of the resources that um, the older siblings did when our parents didn't have to divide their time among mm-hmm. multiple children. So that's how you're trying to get attention. Like everyone has to fill a niche because if you're just like your brother or sister, then you might get overlooked when it comes time to divide up the resources, which include things just like time spent together, monetary things like, you know, I was reading that middle children are less likely to be sent to private schools mm-hmm. than their older siblings. So things like that, like how can you get your parents' attention to get some form of these resources that will set you up uh, better later in life? Yeah, and he also says that uh, second-born children tend to be exposed to less language than the older child, which, again, makes sense. I mean, it's all about time and resources. And he says the best environment is really if you just have two parents who are constantly just talking to you and all Mm -hmm. their attention is focused just on you. Right, whereas when uh, you're the second-born, you might be spending time with your your baby sibling who can't really talk. But I would argue, you know, I had I had four four kids chattering away around me. So. But you're a last born. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. You had more people who knew how to talk. Yeah. Whereas I had just my parents and my poor middle brother was stuck with like me who could probably kind of talk when he came around and parents who had to divide their attention. But Molly, according to a Norwegian study, you still got the better end of the deal in terms of IQ. I did. Well, now, Norway, this is a study that comes up all the time in all these articles read about birth order. Uh, this 2002 study that was done in Norway about IQ and birth order. And yes, according to this, I would have got the better end of the deal because an oldest born child had an IQ that was three points higher mm-hmm. than um, the next sibling. And you, as the last sibling, would have really suffered because it said for the, the greater number of siblings you have, the lesser your IQ. It was sort of proportional. Yeah. Way to go. Awesome. Kristen. However, there is a problem uh, with this study. I mean, it was a large study, 250,000 Norwegian soldiers that they that they looked at for this data. And that's why it gets so much credibility is it was such a large yeah, study. Yeah, very large, very comprehensive, but only men. Only men, so it's not the greatest maybe study to cite on mom stuff. And it was in Norway. I mean, they think they can extrapolate this data to the United States, but who knows? Could be cultural differences. These were all men who had joined the military. Exactly, because you have to take into account cultural factors. You know, perhaps in Norway, sons are more prized and valued than daughters, whereas in the U.S., maybe there's more of a tendency to pour your resources into the girls in the family. I mean, you just, there are all these factors that can go into how kids are treated on an individual basis. Right. I mean, for every study so far, there's been an asterisk that says exclusions may apply. But there is one study that kind of attempted to eliminate all those asterisks. <laughs> it's hard to say in the plural form. Uh, and this was a study that was published last year in the journal, and by last year I mean 2009, uh, in the Journal of Genetic Psychology that tried to control for all these different factors that we've been talking about and really assess whether or not birth order has an impact on the big five personality traits, which are, Molly? Openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. And they looked at um, things like how spread out the family was, like age distribution, maternal relationships, 
blended families? Blended families, social versus biological order. And they were starting with the assumption that Soloway's work of evolutionary um, psychology affecting birth order was valid. Mm -hmm. So what they wanted to do is say, okay, if this holds true, then we should be able to code for all of these differences. And the coding section of this paper, it takes quite a while to read, but you are left thinking with, yes, they must have accounted for every single difference that affects all these other studies. Um, So they code for all the differences and then match birth order to these big five personality traits. Now, before, you know, you come up with the results, you might think that a firstborn would be more conscientious, for example. A middle child would be more agreeable because they just want to get along with everyone. And the lastborn might be more extroverted because mm-hmm. they're their buttons. So that that's sort of the general thought of what you might find once you match all these birth orders accounting for all the extra factors. But that's not what they found. They found... Nothing. Yeah, they found, quote, no evidence of birth order's role in personality or identity formation. So good news, parents. You can't screw up your kids just by the order you have them. However, Molly, this argument still isn't closed. And not, will it ever be, Kristen? Will it ever be? Yeah, not according to Joshua K. Harsham from the Scientific America article that we've referenced a couple of times, because he says, not so fast. He and some colleagues found evidence that birth order influences who you choose as friends or spouses. Basically, that middles are drawn to middles, lastborns to lastborns, etc. So he says, if that's the case, then there has to be some kind of personality correlation. Right, because we usually marry people that we are very similar to personality-wise. Yeah. So if my personality is, in fact, affected by being a firstborn, and if I marry another firstborn, then yes, there must be something there. Which kind of brings us to where we started, Kristen in terms of who was most compatible with who. We think for podcasting purposes, oldest and youngest works pretty well. Yeah, and funny story, Molly. Uh, one of my best friends is not only the youngest of five. Like you. Like me. She is also the youngest of five in the same family distribution in terms of uh, number of brothers and sisters, two sisters, two brothers, and very far spacing between the youngest and the oldest. It was uncanny. So you think this guy's work has some validity, that you had a a very good friendship with someone who had the exact same family layout that you did, thus there's something to this personality. Well, I mean, I'm an an example of it, but it could also be the same thing that we we noted earlier where the one of the authors just said, well, it's just basically like astrology. You know, you find something that correlates to your your sign and suddenly you're a Gemini. Destined to be. Well, let's just for a minute pretend it's not astrology because... We found some pretty interesting stuff worth a good giggle on iVillage. Yes. Now, that's not normally one of our sources. It's not, not I would say, known for its scholarly um, reputation. Yeah, but when, if you put in, if you start to put in birth order in Google, it's going to automatically fill in birth order love match. <laughs> and I couldn't resist not clicking on that. And so came to um, this really handy page on birth order and uh love matches, which, I mean, I'm going to use it now yeah. to guide all of my future romantic pursuits. Apparently, my new pickup line needs to be, hey, young man, have any older sisters? Because apparently I will do very well as an older sister with um, a male youngest child who has older sisters himself. Now, iVillage's reasoning for this is that because I'm an eldest child and a sister, I will likely have great maternal urges. And the young man, on the other hand, will have grown up with all these girls taking care of him and doting on him, and he's going to want the same in a wife. And thus, the best match is an oldest sister and a youngest male. Now, 
you can start to see some of the fallacies that are going to come in with this because I do not have any maternal urges as a result of being the eldest child that I know of. So I don't know how I would do with a young man who's seeking that. But all the same, it's it's an interesting pickup line. Yeah, I think I'm supposed to be on the lookout for uh, either an oldest oldest sibling, Molly, or an only child. Um, but the worst family blend, evidently, is an only child female to an only child male because, quote, not only will they butt heads, but neither will have much of a clue about the other gender. Interesting. Now, Kristen, luckily, neither you nor I have to worry about the only child female to only child male situation. But I will just say that I cannot marry apparently another firstborn, too much friction. Mm-hmm. And you should not marry another lastborn because um, it's going to feel too chaotic. Too much fun. Too out of control. There is such a thing. So yeah. you've got to find someone who balances you. And I I don't think that's going to be news to anyone, but it's interesting to see what what they can come up with based on birth order love. Maybe we should start our own dating site, Molly, that combines birth order matching, maybe toss in some astrology. Can we call it Firsties Rule? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's what you would like it to be called. Firstborn Children Rule. So what do you guys think? Has birth order affected your personality? Are you a Marsha, Jan, or Cindy? Or Bobby. Oh, yeah. Or Greg or Peter. <laughs> Can't leave out the guys, Molly. Of course not. I didn't mean to imply that only girls should write us. But just how <laughs> how has uh, your family dynamic been changed by birth order? And I mean, what, so what do we say, though, for the to answer our question? Does birth order affect your personality? I think the studies conclude maybe. We don't know. Maybe. So another another one that science still gets to figure out, but let us know what you think by writing to us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And before we go, let's shall we read one person's email who wrote us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com? Capital idea, Molly. Well, I got an email here from Krista, and she wrote us about women in sports. And she told us a little story about um, some girls in her middle school who actually tried out for the football team and made it on. She said they were the first girls to ever make it onto the football team. And not only that, but to the boys' football team. I can't tell you whatever happened with it because, like I said, I totally wasn't with it in middle school. But I remember having a mad girl crush on them just because they were so courageous for fighting for their rights to be on the boys' football team. Goodness knows I can't remember their names anymore, but I can picture the headline and their picture in the uniforms holding on their football helmets in my head like it was right in front of me. So thanks for sending in the story, Krista. And as always, if you have any stories to share with us, please send us an email, momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And during the week, you should check out our blog. It's called How To Stuff, where you can learn how to do lots of stuff. And to learn more fascinating facts about the world at large, you should head over to howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. 
not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee, sounds perfect. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Oh, yeah. 